April Little. And I'm Anna Dowahair. We are thrilled to launch our new podcast, Reclaiming the Garden. We are two queer Christian women exploring the space between belief and doubt, deconstruction and reconstruction, and the mysteries of faith that are ours just as much as the Christians who have gone before us, even the ones who say that our queerness is incompatible with Christianity. Regardless of your beliefs or lack thereof, you're welcome in this conversation about the religious backgrounds people came from and how those experiences and changes in belief impact the life they live now. We chose Reclaiming the Garden as our title because, in deconstructing from the many toxic beliefs we were taught in the evangelical church, we have also found parts of the Christian faith that are life-giving to us. And so we want to reclaim, reclaim space and joy and healing for LGBTQ folks in the church and beyond, since God is not limited to one religion. We want to proclaim a truth that the woman, woman of valor, Rachel Held Evans, once tweeted. We don't have to cede the Bible to the fundamentalists. Absolutely. And speaking of the Bible, here's just a quick recap on the story of the Garden of Eden, because we realize we may have listeners from all faith backgrounds listening. So we'll just do a recap. So Eden was a microcosm of the world God wanted. Humans and animals were living side by side. There was no sadness or fear. It was this world of bliss and perfection. It was, in a way, the heaven that we hope for now. However, as the story goes, Adam and Eve were banished from the garden as, due to the forbidden fruit, they had gained the knowledge of good and evil and truth. The two were unable to live in such a perfect realm with all of this knowledge, so the garden was shut off to the wayward humans. This is a story that is pretty familiar to most Christians, you ask. Some take it as poetry, some take it as an allegory, or some take the story absolutely literally, truly believing that Adam and Eve were the first two humans. However, it can be agreed on that this was about the loss of the perfect, blissful lives we could have. This is the case for a lot of people who deconstruct. Any question outside the evangelical narrative is seen as rebellion, and many are cast out of what were once safe church spaces. Um, and I know that we are no strangers to deconstruction here. Um, deconstruction here meaning the breaking down of our once held beliefs about God and the world around us. Many evangelicals denounce such a movement as petty at best or pure evil at worst. And nowadays, American evangelicalism is associated with the far right, conservatism and nationalism and othering, which, in a, I don't know, in my opinion, is a far cry from a God that created all of us in the divine image. We believe in reclaiming that true message of Christ, the one of love and helping our neighbors and that we all have intrinsic value. If we can reclaim that message, perhaps we will be closer to reclaiming the proverbial garden where we were once closest to God in the perfection of their creation. This podcast will include interviews with folks whose stories of faith and doubt we find really compelling. The interview episodes will follow a general structure of discussing the person's background and following whatever rabbit holes we get into in that person's story. Then we'll discuss how, given their experiences and shifts in perspective, they want to live their life now, making a difference in the world so that we get closer to the wholeness of Eden, God's beloved community. I call this process of figuring out the life you want to live and actually living it, reconstruction. You need not decide to be a Christian in order to reconstruct because everyone rebuilds their life back into something. Everyone has a set of values and passions that drives their life and hopefully encourages love of neighbor. So regardless of whether someone goes to church every week or will never go to church again, we're interested in hearing their story. In addition to interviews, some podcast episodes will be just Anna and I, focusing on a specific topic. If we're talking about the Bible, we're calling those segments a Bible Dyke Deep Dive. Other times, <laughs> other times, we might go into politics or particularly weird things about evangelical subculture. 
In this intro episode, we wanted to share a bit about our journeys of faith, though in the episodes to come, we'll be sharing specific parts of our stories in more depth. Take it away, Anna. All right, so let's start at the very beginning. Um, I think that's a pretty good place to start. So I was born into the church. Um, I know some people say, oh, you can't be born into the church, you have to be born again. But I started in the church as an infant. And the church I went to was non-denominational, but very much in the evangelical tradition, very conservative and um, majority Caucasian, I'd say. Um, I, of course, learned all of the usual things in Sunday school, Noah's Ark, the Battle of Jericho, the crucifixion, all those things, but of course, when you're younger, it's seen more as like stories in a way. So you don't really know the actual depth of what these stories mean. So as a result, when I became born again at the age of seven, I knew what it meant. Like, like I knew the concept of what being born again meant, but I didn't truly know what the depth of that. So all I knew was I was getting saved. It was VBS and I was getting some WWJD swag um, <laughs> and I was still a Christian because um, I didn't think it was a necessarily a huge change. So of course I went to this church for a very long time. I was in a Christian private school for a bit too. Um, but one thing that really started to make me question my faith was when I entered high school in California in 2008, there was this proposition called Prop 8 and it was the recognition of marriage between one man and one woman, which seems like a weird proposition to introduce in the state of California, but unfortunately it did pass at that time. And the thing that made me so angry and confused at that point was I didn't care if gay people got married, I, but I couldn't understand why my peers in youth group were so concerned about it because there was so much of that rhetoric of we have to defend the family, marriage between one man and one woman, and those are real families. Of course, this proposition has since been repealed, so thank goodness, let's not try that again. Um, but I really started to question at that point, and I started to feel kind of like an outsider in my own church space. So at 17, I ended up going from this very, very, very conservative church to a different church that was so much more diverse. Diversity in ethnicity and in gender. There were women leadership, which was so cool and intergenerational as well, which was awesome. Um, and I absolutely loved it, but I wasn't super involved um, because a little couple of years later, I uh, realized I was queer. Um, and I started to not feel super comfortable in church spaces. And I didn't know if this, if this church, which ended up kind of becoming a mega church in its own right, I didn't know if they were accepting of queer people. They'd never really mentioned it. They'd kind of just said like, oh, like queer people, like they adopt children. Why do you get mad at them? Like they kind of used it in comparison to other things in a way. Um, so I really wasn't sure where they stood. So I just tried not to get super involved. Um, around this time, too, I started to find more progressive Christian role models. I found the YouTube channel, God is Gray, which has since become one of my favorite YouTubers, one of my favorite podcasts. Absolutely love her. Um, and from there, I kind of went down the deconstruction rabbit hole, reading Rachel Held Evans, Nadia Bowles-Weber, Peter Enns, Rob Bell, all of those amazing people. Um, and around this time, as I was learning more about my faith and why I believed what I believed, I knew I wanted to be baptized. This wasn't going to be like being born again at VBS. I knew exactly what I was getting myself into, and I wanted to start this new life in Christ, this in that symbolism of being washed clean. So I emailed this church that I was going to, and I was just very clear with my intentions. I said, hey, I want to get baptized. 
by the way, I'm gay. Um, and that's a very important part of my testimony and I don't wanna leave that out, is that okay? Um, they never got back to me on that. Um, I've been waiting for about a year and a half. I don't think they're ever gonna get back to me at this point. It's, just, it's so um, typical for what churches like that, like just, they just, yeah. whenever they're asked the question, they can never give a straight answer. Yeah, and like the thing with a mega church is like, it gets to that point where it's a business. They're not gonna be super firm on any particular stance. Like they need to keep conservative benefactors in seats. They need to keep the youth that are more liberal in seats too. Like, so they're not gonna make a statement on it. Um, I would have had a lot more respect if they had just said, no, it's a sin. I truly would have had more respect because at least I would know exactly where they stood. Um, but yeah, it was really disappointing to me. And there was a part of me that really wanted to um, keep going. I was like, they don't know me, they won't know me, they don't know I sent the email or anything. I could very much blend in. But at that point I was like, why keep going to a church where I can't grow in my faith, where I won't feel comfortable joining small groups or volunteering, any of that. Also, this church um, did not have a very good relationship with the queer community because one of the really big names in um, queer Christianity was a pastor at that church and has since left and has her own congregation now. So uh, I feel like that clarified their position to me at least a little bit more. Um, so hmm. I have not been in that church or any sort of church building in about a year and a half because I wanted to find somewhere safe for me um, where I could be myself and I could be known and seen um, because I knew I was loved by God by that point. I had kind of reconciled that, but I wanted to be in a space where that was true as well. Um, so a few months ago, I virtually started going to an affirming church in my area. I'm so excited to be able to go in person at some point. I've joined Bible studies with other queer Christians. I have met some amazing humans and I met April at the Q Christian Fellowship Conference that was virtual this year. Um, and it was my first year um, and it was your first year as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we ended up meeting each other in a whole bunch of different groups of ex-evangelicals and deconstructing and what it's like to be um, a woman or female identified in the church. And we just had really good conversations and we thought, why not record them in podcast form? Because it turns out a lot of people have very similar beliefs and we want to be able to share those. So yeah, that is my story. Um, April, take it away, my dear. Yeah, so I grew up attending a quote-unquote non-denominational church, which is just laughable because its doctrines and culture are so evangelical and they're affiliated with an evangelical, oh, yeah. or like the, the church I grew up in is affiliated with an evangelical organization uh, that also claims to not be a denomination. Uh, I can go into the particulars of that flavor of evangelicalism in a future episode. But what I'll say now is that obviously as a teen in that conservative church culture, I really struggled with my queer identity. I had a crush on a girl for the first time when I was in ninth grade, and when I realized I had a crush on her, I became terrified and ashamed. I thought that if I was a good Christian girl, uh, this couldn't happen to me, and it wasn't supposed to happen. And so I buried my feelings of attraction, something that I now understand to be dissociation, a trauma response. Mm -hmm. And this response only got worse and more ingrained as I continued to have attractions to girls, and I kept shoving my feelings away. I ended up dissociating from many other emotions I deemed negative, my anxiety and depression. By the time I was a senior in high school, I was so disconnected from my mind and body and thoroughly convinced that I was a heteroromantic asexual, which just sounds, again, like laughable now. Uh, <laughs> no, but, that feeling. <laughs> but thankfully, praise the real Jesus, I went to a very progressive women's college, Hollins University. Um, I didn't know how progressive it was going in. I'd been drawn to the creative writing and French programs 
But anyway, it rocked my world. And so did the 2016 election that happened during my first semester. I saw the church I grew up in celebrate the election of Trump, and I had other hard things happen in my life in November, including the death of a relative. And the question that started my faith deconstruction was, God, why? At first, I thought my doubts were selfish, that I just needed to stop being so self-centered and trust that God was in control. But I slowly realized that this framework about how to deal with suffering didn't work. It didn't make sense. It cracked so easily. I wondered what else my church was wrong about. I started to research different viewpoints on theology, became LGBTQ affirming, and slowly came to terms with my queer identity. I read Jesus Feminist by Sarah Bessie, which was just like, mm -hmm. it opened the floodgates to all, uh, all the people, all the resources. Yes. <laughs> um, particularly to, uh, to Rachel Held Evans, which led me to the entirety of progressive Christian Twitter and later ex-evangelical Twitter, where I mm -hmm. found kindred misfits. It was so wonderful to realize that I wasn't alone and what I was going through had a name. And that name wasn't Slippery Slope. It was Faith Deconstruction and Reconstruction. And it was and is a beautiful, widening, liberating adventure with God. Absolutely. And it's such a journey, too. I, it's a journey that I'm so happy to be on. And I don't know if that journey's ever going to end, but I want to just keep learning. I want to keep growing because I, I don't ever want my faith to be stagnant in that sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for listening to this intro episode. Uh, we're so excited for you to join us in these podcast conversations as we wrestle with questions and our own upbringings and allow folks to share their own sacred journeys with us. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, be sure to follow us on wherever podcasts can be listened to. Follow us on Instagram at Reclaiming the Garden and on Twitter at RT Garden Podcast, because turns out Twitter does not allow usernames to be over 15 characters. Also, if you have anything you particularly want us to talk about, please feel free to send us a DM on any of these mediums, because we would love to hear about it. Yeah, just as a final thing, if you want to see the spelling of the social media, that's in the show notes and the beautiful Rachel Hot Evans tweet. Thank you so much for joining us in this intro episode. Uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.